0: Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here and Dr. Liz. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. I hope you like what you hear. And if you do, please share it with a friend or family member. If you would like to get some free hypnosis files, then that's really easy to do. I offer one to reduce fear and anxiety, another one to increase emotional stability, and a third for a better pregnancy and birth. So you can get those over at my website. Dr. That's drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. Or you can text the word hypnotize to 444 That's the word hypnotize to 444 I think it's like such an easy way to join the newsletter. That's why I offer it. Before we go into today's episode, I do need to say the podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment Nor should it be. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. Now, I do do hypnosis all over the world. That's done through Skype or WhatsApp, or sometimes someone has a US phone number or a calling card type thing. Whatever it is, we work it out. But if you'd like to see how to work with me or learn more about me, whether you're local or from afar, you can do that over at my website. That's drlizhypnosis.com. I offer a free 15 minute telephone consultation. So that's a great way to get a sense of what it would be like to work with me and to ask any questions you may have about that. You know, sometimes people decide to fly in and see me and they'll do a intensive couple of days. And then they'll vacation here because I am in South Florida, which is really nice most of the year. Fort Lauderdale is right above Miami. So we have beautiful beaches and gorgeous water that's warm to swim in. So people really enjoy that. All right. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here, and just a quick reminder, That this is the last week of the 2019 podcast survey. So I only run the survey for a couple of weeks because I just want a snapshot of who my listeners are at a particular time and how to move forward in the new year with the podcast. So it is super fast. It literally takes two minutes because once a couple people fill it out, SurveyMonkey tells you that. They tell you how long it takes to take your survey. So it's literally two minutes. It's nine questions. And I would Totally appreciate it if you could go and do that. The link is in the show description and in the show notes. This week's interview is with Belinda Farrell. And I have to say that there's a lot of laughter in this interview. There's a lot of life experience, as well as some really beautiful ways to heal. So we start off the interview with a chant that Belinda does. And you could just listen to this chant over and over and get benefit from it. And then she talks about chanting a different way a little bit further in the interview. She talks about how she swam with dolphins and how she used to run programs for people to do that and what that's like. And then how she became a race car driver. She has led quite an exciting life. And eventually she became a healer too. This podcast is about healing. Not that you couldn't transform your life with race car driving, you certainly could but not quite the focus of this podcast. So Belinda is the author of Find Your Friggin' Joy, which is a book about the Hawaiian Huna healing tradition. So you will find some really good healing strategies in her book. She has quite the certifications in the healing arts, not just Huna, but hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming in a couple of different forms. So I hope you enjoy hearing about her experiences And ways to heal. I know I really enjoyed doing the interview, so I really hope you like it as much as I did. Have a wonderful week. Peace. Hi, Belinda. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Well,
1: it's wonderful being here. Aloha.
0: Thank you. So I am going to have you just start us off here with one of the chants that's in your book.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hai, noho Kanahi Helehele kui a hele hele. Ia lehi he ohu koko. na kino malui kalani, malue ho. eyo holu mahia na ho khane kahu ho
0: Beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. That's almost like a lullaby to put us in a state of protection, to move out any darkness that our soul has acquired and to bring us into a calmness and protected spirit. It really is a powerful chant. When you use that chant around anything that's of dark nature, it uh, dissolves it.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Like I was sitting here listening with my eyes closed and just felt a shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Really beautiful.
1: Thank you. Well, I thank the Hawaiians.
0: <laughs> Can you tell people what it means?
1: Well, in, in a sense, I broke it down. It's, it's um, asking for the light to come in, the light from everywhere to move out any darkness that your soul has acquired and to, to move any darkness that's around you, like you can do this chant, you know, if you have messy neighbors, you know, or people that are fighting, if you do that chant, it seems to just quiet everything down and, and the dark stuff goes away. So it mm-hmm. puts you in a state of um, protection and of the light. So mm-hmm. I use it a lot. <laughs> especially now in the world that we live in, it's got a lot of darkness going on. So we have to use whatever we have in our arsenal to you know, push through it.
0: Yes. So it's not just about shifting your own state no. and clearing out your own energy is also affecting the world around you. Right. It
1: changes the frequencies of the world around you. So I have used it when I've been um, threatened I was threatened once on on the island of Hawaii by some gentleman who was not in his right mind, and he was very tall. He came up to me, and I had all my, my students with me from Puna, and he told me we couldn't swim in the ocean. They were his dolphins, and he wasn't going to allow anybody to swim there, and I didn't talk to him. I just started doing that chant, and I looked up at him, and I started chanting, and he turned around and walked away, never saw him again.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah,
1: it just has that effect. It's supposed to pull all kinds of of energy that's not of the light, earth energy that's mm-hmm. in contrast with the light and just take it away. It's almost like a lightning bolt comes down and shatters it with lightning and thunder and just neutralizes it.
0: Wow, I believe it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I could feel, yeah, I could feel the power of it. Yeah,
1: it's, and when I chant, it's not me chanting alone, it's the lineage of all the Hawaiian masters that came before, and they chant with me, so it's, it just comes from a distant, far away place, and I'm so grateful that the legacy is there for people to follow it, you know, through and learn the chants, you know, they're. I also have a CD that's on um, iTunes and on my website too. So I I do have that on a CD.
0: So the CD is a good way for people to not just listen, but learn how to chant it themselves.
1: Well, it's written out in my book. And then in the Chant and Forgiveness CD, it's also, you hear it a lot in that taking you through the forgiveness process and then an enchantment. It's also there and it's spelled out and written out there. That's how I learned them. I just kept listening Mm -hmm. to them. You know, they were on little audio cassettes and you start listening to them and then the chant will grab you. If you're, if you're meant to do this, the chant will grab you so that, you know, you're not just chanting. The chant is chanting you. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. That's a wonderful way to think of yeah, it. Yeah, and
1: then you can't you can't not chant, you know, that's it. You've become part of the team.
0: Yeah. This is, I love that. I've done some chanting because I taught yoga for a very oh, long wow. time. When you go to training seminars, you go to enough and you're gonna chant at some point. That's right. right.
1: Because yoga is <laughs> yeah. such an ancient, an ancient practice. And it it's is. very blessed, very spiritual. So naturally you have the chance as well.
0: Yes. And I um, I chant myself every morning. Oh, that's great. Basic in terms of ohms and ahs and some vowel sounds because it, it feels so good in the body.
1: Well, I can too. also tell you that there is a chant that the Hawaiians send back to the void. It it helps to get rid of PTSD for people. So Mm -hmm. if you breathe all of your stress back behind your eyes, like when you take a deep breath and you Mm -hmm. breathe all that stress, and as you exhale and come back in, you do the sound. It's called Yee. And you do it about twelve times and then mm. and then you can just kind of kiss that stress goodbye. It um,
0: Yes, and that's a very easy one, yeah. I could definitely see doing that. But I also love the concept of it's not just. One person, you me, myself, and I chanting, it's a lineage yes. of um, spirits or guides or teachers with you. Yes. that's evoked when you're chanting. I love that.
1: Well, because I don't really have a great singing voice, but the chants come from a different place. They come from this lineage. So it's as though, wow, somebody's taking over and you know, helping me with <laughs> with yeah. the words and just the sound just comes from a deeper place.
0: I don't have a great singing voice either. Actually, at one point, I took some voice lessons mm-hmm. to try to improve it. Right. Me too. <laughs> Kids said I was so bad. Oh, you know? no. And I was like, what are you talking about? I think I sound awesome, you know, but I was oh. like, I'll go in and see. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it turns out I did not sound awesome. But um, my point is that when I'm making those sounds, it it doesn't matter to me whether I sound awesome or not, you know, it just feels so good. And it sounds good to me too, to the ear, to the body. Because it's
1: coming from your heart. When you chant, you come from the heart. You're not coming from any other place. So it's Mm, a whole, whole different, um, whole different discovery.
0: That makes sense. That's
1: right. You're a chanter, not a singer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Whole, whole different thing going on there. Yes. So can you tell us how did you first discover chanting?
1: Well, I was interested in hypnosis, became a hypnotherapist. And then I went to the big island of Hawaii to do a master course in hypnosis. And while I was there, the Hawaiians came in and started chanting to us. We, we had kind of a uh, an introduction to huna, which is, it means the secrets. These were the ancient healing secrets of the Hawaiians. And mm-hmm. th- it, it was buried in the chants, a lot of it, and in Ho'oponopono, in the forgiveness um, process that they do. And I was just elated because it was for the first time I was feeling lighter and I, the chants spoke to me. You know, I felt like you did when you heard him. You just felt good. You know, you mm-hmm. just felt good. And so I wanted to learn more. And I begged the Hawaiian, this one Hawaiian um, teacher, Kumu, to teach him to me. And he said, no, of course. What a, you know, what's a Howly doing? Trying to learn. Because this is like 25 years ago. And mm-hmm.
0: um, What's a, Hali? a Like I read your book, so yeah. I know what it is. <laughs> but tell the listeners what a howly is. It's
1: someone without breath. The ha, yeah, breath. the ha is your breath, which reaches to the higher self and only means without. So it's uh, white, white guys usually don't have breath because they're breathing through their mouth and they're breathing, you know, like in fight or flight. They're not breathing mm-hmm.
0: very shallow, yeah,
1: not deeply to the top of their head. So they just, you know, that's what they call the white people, Howie's because they didn't breathe. Mm-hmm but I just wouldn't go away. So I just kept showing up and I took out an ipuheke, which is uh, uh, two gourds together to start learning how to do the drumming for the chants. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was learning how to do the drumming. And so the chants followed after that and I just bugged him so much. would. he finally said, okay, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> pono, you're gonna learn them. And so that's what how it started.
0: And So during this time, did you end up moving to Hawaii? No, I
1: never moved. I was afraid of the water. You know, I had everything against me as far as going to Hawaii. I I hated the water, just really was very afraid of it. And what, what happened is that we were doing a higher self connection. And so that means we were breathing deeply for about 10 minutes to the top of the head, Mm -hmm. this ha breath. And what happened was amazing because what would come inside of me were all these dolphins and whales. I never had them on my radar at all. No fish, no mammals. (laughs) Uh I didn't want anything to do with the water, but there they were. And that night um, they were in my dreams, teaching me how to swim. And so I woke up, and I had this urgency that said, "I've got to go out and be with these dolphins." But I can't stand the water. So how am I going to go do that? So I guess I better overcome this. And so my desire to be with the dolphins overcame my fear of the water. I found somebody to take me out there, and scared to death. You know, I I put a dent, indentation in this poor man's arm. You know, it was holding me to go out. <laughs> yeah, he still good. has the scar from that. And I, I have no apologies because it was, it was crude. You know, I was just very afraid. But then the dolphins mm. came. There was a huge bottlenose dolphin that came, looked at me and started downloading information. I kept hearing all of this information coming in and mm. I was hooked I wanted to go out every day and I started, I just forgot about my fear of the water because the salt Mm -hmm. water holds you up anyway.
0: Mm -hmm, So I would
1: just get out there and then I started to learn how to dive. And then pretty soon I'm taking groups with me to go out and I have to call the dolphins and these are wild dolphins. So they have, you know, they have their own agenda. You don't know if they're going to show up, but they always showed up for us. It was wonderful.
0: Wow, (laughs) Yeah. So I did that
1: for 20 years. Uh,
0: Do you still do those excursions? Not
1: anymore. I I take myself out there, but I don't take clients. It got to be, um, it's a lot. It really is a lot. And being responsible for people out in the ocean, you know, Mm -hmm. so that they don't go in different directions. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah, so I could see that but
1: I just encourage people to create some type of companionship with the dolphins you can do it even here I talk to the dolphins here on the mainland and when I do go to see them because I still go once a year to be with them you know we Mm. we have conversations at night in the dream time they're they're always there. They're always there wow. giving you information. And it's always about unconditional love and, mm-hmm. and being together as a getting along together as a group, as a pod. Mm-hmm. They don't fight for who's in charge. If someone's in charge, they all go with that flow. And then somebody decides they want to lead, they go with that flow. It's always in a flow.
0: Oh, Wonderful. Yeah, we have them in Florida, too, and um, I haven't actually swum with them. One year I went to take my girls just as a special treat. I think I offered it as a birthday present or something because you can't actually, there's a Dolphin Research Center down in the Keys, right? so you can pay to go swim with them. Both of them have attended a marine science magnet, Mm -hmm. first of all, but at the time, only my oldest one was in it. Hmm. And she was like, no way. They're big. They're <laughs> scary. And you're not supposed to touch them, mama. That's what she said. Like, it's something bad for their skin or something like that. And I was so disappointed. I was like, "Oh, wow. seriously don't want to go swim with the dolphins? You know, like, whoever? Wow. Well,
1: see, they seek us. They seek humans. Oh. They want to be with humans. So I, I usually don't say I'm going to go swim with the dolphins. They're coming to swim with us. Ah. And they, oh yeah, they choose who they want to swim with or who they want to, you know, lock eyes with.
0: I have heard that. Yes, like it, you know, it's not a guarantee when you go. No, right. nothing. They, nothing. They have to be willing to interact with you, and they right. they do make that choice, right? And uh, and they're they're wild here as well. That's just you know one avenue to do it,
1: but they're amazing. It just it transforms you. I think your heart just opens up and you fall in love with whoever is swimming next to you because that you can only just love. I mean, that's all that they are. They're just pure, pure love. And they teach you how to how to breathe because if they don't come up for breath every seven minutes, they'll die. So if you don't take a deep breath to the top of your head, you die a spiritual death. Oh that's a huge lesson I feel that the dolphins impart to us.
0: Yes well, I'm thinking I got to be careful about who I take with me. yeah, them. that's right I take my <laughs> husband right That's correct. I make it mean, I take my best friends too. I, I, I could tell you thing.
1: stories, boy <laughs>
0: it's,
1: yeah lots and lots of stories. It did definitely is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yes, yeah, so
0: you began studying the Kuna, right? right. It's called, right. Okay. And it was
1: from Max Freedom Long. He was a teacher that came to Hawaii in 1917. And he was just coming to teach and he noticed how the kahunas were doing all this phenomenal healing. And it was not written down anywhere. How, how did you do that? How did you put that bone back in its place? You know how did you heal that person? So he just kept observing, writing things down. He stayed like fifty years. And so the books that we have from Max Freedom Long are the ones that we study about ancient Hawaiian healing. It's how I learned how to heal my back over twenty five years ago. I was told, and that's in the book, that that I would never walk again unless I had surgery because my spine was degenerate and I had herniated discs. I was, it was a mess. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have any insurance. I had, I was a stunt car driver. I had been working in the stunt field for almost eight years. And then finally I collapsed.
0: Is that what caused some of the back problems?
1: That caused some, but then I had to also take responsibility for what I was saying to myself, which was, um, I I need to be supported. I can't support myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Was, okay, so some of it was the messages yeah. you are giving yourself. And,
1: and people say terrible things to themselves, and that's what happens.
0: They do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. I, it is like as a, a hypnotherapist and a psychotherapist, I work on that all the time. Yeah. Like what awful things people say to themselves. Yeah. Yes.
1: I used to have people come to me uh, for a session – with a page of just what did they say to themselves? And it was all just self-deprecating, just horrible, self-loathing, mm-hmm. you know, yep. not worthy to receive love, not worthy to be successful, just not worthy. Mm-hmm. And um, I was part of that genre. And then when I realized I was saying that I couldn't support myself, what's the thing that supports you in your body? just spine. Oh, spine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, Your unconscious mind is listening to everything you're saying. It's running your body. So it was doing exactly what I was telling it to do, and that's not support me. So it Mm -hmm. collapsed. So then when I finally realized that I had done that, I reversed it and started thanking it for remembering how to support me, remembering how to regenerate. I would use those words. Thank you for regenerating. I would touch Mm -hmm. my spine you know, in a way just really gentle and loving and just make a conscious effort of reversing all of those symptoms. I was in bed for a month. I had taken some codeine to get out of the pain so I could concentrate on the healing.
0: And I allowed
1: a lot of of ancient stuff and nonsense to come up. What do do you call them? Just... uh, stories that I had swallowed in my past that we all do you know you swallow them and you push them down and you think you're over that but you're not and Mm -hmm. so um, some of these major major stories and I do talk about that in the book too it's on page 109 I remember (laughs) Mm -hmm. was the the worst one of just being thrown out into the universe like a piece of garbage as a child as an embryo and I didn't find out until later after that um, episode of bringing that up, I thought I was dying, um, that my mother had taken me to three abortion clinics. And no. so the fetus, me, just registered that she wasn't wanted.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And I had no, no clue about that until I finally you know, asked my mother and she finally told me. Yeah, so I was a result of three failed abortions. Wow. And but the thing was that while I was having those epiphanies, I was held up by these amazingly beautiful hands that just picked me up out of the garbage. I was, you know, thrown out and dodging all of these asteroids and meteors and feel felt like I was being sped along, you know, at 5,000 miles an hour, and then these hands reached down and picked me up and put me in the arms of this lovely being, I don't know, it was, she was just, she. I, don't, I never saw her face, but it was mm-hmm. just a lot of blue gowns, and I was just held and loved, and it, I don't know what that was, if it was God or my real father, or but I felt very loved. And when I came back into my body, it like didn't matter that I wasn't accepted by my physical parents, but that I was loved from a deeper sense. And that was what sustained me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I didn't have to prove that I you know, needed to be worthy to find love. And my healing began, really deep mm-hmm. healing began. And I started to see myself climbing trees because you have to have a strong back to climb trees. And within three days, I jumped out of bed, and I was completely healed, completely healed. I went to the doctor. They found nothing wrong with my spine. It was as though I had been given a whole new spine, and even the scoliosis had disappeared that I had been born with.
0: Incredible.
1: Yeah. That's what the higher self does. And I had to get out of the way so that the pipeline to the higher self could receive the healing from my unconscious mind, the climbing of the trees. Mm-hmm. It just got real excited yes. about climbing trees. So it sent that up the pipeline, and then I got the bad memories out of the way so it could reach the higher self, and the higher self could grant that wish. I don't know how the higher self does that. It's like mm-hmm. teaching physics to a two year old, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who
0: knows? So then. After that happened, you felt like you wanted to share some of these gifts and you began on a healing journey yourself. Right. Then I just, I thought, well,
1: if I can heal myself, I can do anything now. <laughs> so uh-huh. so I, I, I just felt fearless. I stopped my stunt driving. I had to decide whether I was going to continue as a stunt driver and modeling. I was also doing modeling. And I went into the healing work full-time. It just was more satisfying and more fulfilling. And so mm-hmm. I started doing that, going to Hawaii. Yeah.
0: It sounds like such a different world. Yes. But I also know, I, I mean, I've heard race car drivers talk about this, that there's a very meditative aspect to that, to race car driving. Oh, Yeah. It, it is. I don't know if that's true with the stunt driving as well, but I know in your book you said it really started out with race cars.
1: Yeah. Well, I started out with Formula Fords. I, I was uh-huh. I was a student of Tony Robbins, and then I stayed with him for about five years, doing eighteen firewalks and you know just being a right. part of his um, his team. And so mm-hmm. that's where I got the idea of, gee, if I can walk on hot coals. What else would I like to do in my life? And what came up was that I'd always wanted to drive a race car.
0: Yeah, I got very excited when I read that because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had the same ambition. I've never done it, but I love I, driving. In fact, I, for my birthday this year, which is in November, I was like, I'm going to rent a car and I'm going to drive it
1: fast. <laughs> you know? Well, you should go to a school, you know go to a school that's in Florida I don't know which one is there but that's what I did I Tony teaches you a mantra that says if you say you can't you must and if you Mm. must you will so I said I can't drive that I guess I must so Uh (laughs) so I called there was a a racetrack out in Sonoma and it was Sears Point Raceway and I was scared to death I went by myself there's you know nothing but guys, the Porsche racing team. And I, yeah. and I told him, I said, look, I know nothing. I don't even know how to drive a stick shift. So you've got to, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: And this was in your
1: 40s? I was Is 41. Right? Yep.
0: 41. Started. Yeah.
1: And it turned out I had some talent. So yeah, I could hit my marks. And at the end of the four day Grand Prix road racing course, I got hired by Buick and Cadillac to drive in New York and to put all their cars through the paces for two weeks. And that was uh-huh. the beginning of it. I came back and they created a stunt driving course for me so I could learn spins and slides and all that. Uh-huh. And I got a partner. One of my teachers became my partner and we just started doing commercials. We started, mm-hmm. you know, going out and getting jobs and
0: <laughs> a whole new career. Yes. It was fascinating. I always love hearing about these careers that people find, right? Almost by accident. But when
1: you get in the car, which you're talking about, this Zen feeling. Yes. You get in uh-huh. you get in your car, race car, wherever it is, and you're just you kind of sink into this peripheral vision where you mm-hmm. you're looking straight ahead, but you're in this peripheral vision and the Hawaiians call it hakala hakalau which is focus uh, in and spread out and so okay, and so you should be in hakalau or peripheral vision when you drive anytime because then you're seeing straight ahead but you're also aware of everything that's going on to the right to the left of you and even behind you and when you're in that yeah. zone you don't have to turn your head you don't have to lose time cuz time is everything you just feel you just are relaxed. Mm. You're in the you're in the alkaline position, <laughs> mm. not the fight or flight. You've got the energy, but you're so relaxed, and you're just you know you're in that zone. I got into that position. Then when I started studying the Huna, I said, "Wow, this is hakalau. That was what I was doing when I was driving." <laughs>
0: Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's like it sounds very similar when I'm doing deeper healing with people. Right, you get into this particular state. Yes, as a hypnotherapist. Right, of it's very focused, but you're also very aware. Yeah, of everything. There's it's a very focused energy. It's actually a good description of what you just described <laughs> while driving. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I I love the driving. I, you know, I still love driving, but mm-hmm. I don't have those reflexes so much as that I did twenty five years ago because we did,, yes. we did a lot of stuff. We'd break through walls, we I'd move through fog and dirt and mm-hmm. just all kinds of, and it'd be things I'd never done before, but because of the hypnosis training and and past life progression, and being able to see things into the future, you know, you see yourself already having done it. And mm-hmm. that was the biggest help, is I would see myself oh, yeah. doing the stunt and completing it and hearing the director say, yep, that's in the can, right on, next next awesome. project. So I'd already, already rehearsed it in my mind before I'd done it.
0: I took a, a motorcycle trip across the country mm. right after I finished college. Oh my.
1: You drove a motorcycle?
0: And I did not. I rode. Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> so my boyfriend
0: drove. Ooh. The reason it's coming back to me is because he took a, a driving course and like extra courses because he knew he wanted to do this cross country trip. Mm-hmm. But he said you have to see yourself where you want to be. Yes. What he said, Like if you get into a tight spot, which we did many times during a you know, two and a half, three months trip, it's like, no, I have to see myself over there. I cannot see myself where I am right now. And that's often what would get him through a tight spot. He's still right.
1: That's the, one of the biggest um, wonderful teachings that we receive too. You have to see yourself 100 feet where you want to put the car, 100 feet ahead of you. Because if you yeah. if you see yourself going into the wall, guess what? You're gonna go into the wall.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's
1: always always a hundred feet ahead.
0: Yeah. When we do healing work, it's the same concept. You're saying I had to see myself. I did see myself climbing trees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. I saw myself probably swimming, right? Swimming, climbing trees. That's right. Riding with the dolphins and it's often what we want to create. I often ask my clients, like, make me a list. How do you want to feel? How do you want to be? Right. Who do you want to be? Like, what qualities do you want to have? Like, feel deeply inside of you. And I know they're there already. Yeah. Right. They don't always think they're there. <laughs> I'm guilty of that yeah. myself. But I know it's a process of. Of bringing out their best self
1: well they have to want to believe that it's possible
0: they have to to
1: want to walk through that door that you open
0: yeah absolutely so right
1: i I can't i can't do the healing for them if they don't want the healing to take place
0: yes there has to be it's a partnership yeah when you're healing
1: yeah that is that is so true and as we get older it's it's more challenging (laughs) Mm-hmm. Just living in the body that we have and just kind of going with what is presented to us um, you know as we get older
0: so I have a question about the the portion of the book where it talks about forgiveness mm-hmm. and cord cutting too I found that part a really nice description I've heard of cord cutting before but my question was it the meditation there that's done sounds very similar to compassionate meditation.
1: I don't know what compassionate meditation is.
0: So it's it's almost identical,
1: huh? Well, if it works, that's great. Yeah, but I was great.
0: wondering. Yes, I was <laughs> wondering. It, it's like you know, I was sort of wondering what came first because you're talking about pretty ancient texts, right? that lay out this forgiveness process that the Hawaiians do
1: well they say the words I'm sorry I love you I forgive you thank you that's said mm-hmm. to the higher self and okay. when you do that over and over it erases the problem it just it just erases it our mm-hmm. intellect, Only manages these problems or these memories or these things that happen daily to us where our emotions are, you know, challenged. But when you do the Ho'oponopono, divinity takes the painful thought away and it purifies it by just saying those words. And you can even try it yourself. I, I, you know, I can't listen to a news broadcast without saying those words because it, it can get you so angry.
0: Mm -hmm. true
1: you're wanting to purify that energy and the reason why you want to keep doing that is because your body wants to be in the present time you're more effective when you're in the present time you can create more when you're in the present time and dragging the past with you and getting all upset just damages your heart and you know you lose energy you lose life force Mm -hmm. so forgiveness of yourself of the way you've been looking at something is very therapeutic.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So that's why we we do the forgiveness the Hawaiians would would meet in the ancient times they would meet as a family and they would surround themselves in a circle in front of the ocean at sunset when the sun would go down into the water all their problems would go into the water too. And I, I have a ritual. I take a bath every night and my problems go down the drain. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever I think is a problem at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I found it interesting because in the 12-step world, they do the 10th step. Once you get to the 10th step, it's something you do daily
1: mm-hmm.
0: where you do a daily review of, is there anyone I need to ask forgiveness of is there anyone I owe admins to and so it's a very similar concept yeah here of a daily review a daily forgiveness a daily sense of um of a shift right isn't that wonderful yes and when people begin to think of that as a daily practice well you also begin to orient your life that way yeah I want to be able to go through my day and get to the end of the day and not have to forgive anyone, right, or not have to ask forgiveness. Well, what
1: are your buttons? Who who pushes your buttons? You know, that's how you decide that you've got something to, you know, to cut the cord or to neutralize on. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, how do you feel when you see that person's face or when you hear that name or when does it um, alter your life force? Mm-hmm. it's a simple way of just neutralizing things and getting them released so that you have a brand new slate and the buddhists called this the void
0: right the void
1: and i think there was a book written on called the field there's a field out there
0: oh yes okay. I okay the field,
1: the field. okay yeah. so the eo remember the chant that i told you would get rid of ptsd Yes. that's the eo chant that's the same as the field it's the quantum space of the quantum physicist it's where everything goes and becomes neutral again you can't accumulate the eo because there's so much of it it just it just is it's it's everywhere it fills all yes. the spaces <laughs> so
0: right i think the practice does I, know, I just speak for myself, help help me feel lighter, yeah. freer.
1: And that's who we want to be. We want to be light beings, right?
0: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we don't want to walk around heavy, right? But
1: some people do. You know, they're used to that. Yes. They're afraid yeah. of that light or afraid. So that's why you're there as a divine mm-hmm. hypnotherapist too.
0: <laughs> yes, it's it's like... You know, let's let's move into self-forgiveness, self-acceptance. Let's move into feeling light, not feeling heavy and downtrodden and um, awful all day. Exactly.
1: Because it's not about the other person. It's not about the event that happened. It's how you interpret that event, how you interpret Mm -hmm. what happens to you.
0: Right. And I think people hold those feelings in the body. They hold those interpretations in the body. Right. I thought it was a lovely way for someone to be able to lighten their load. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Lighten their body.
1: And they just have to say, you know, those words. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I love you. I forgive you. Thank you. And I like to feel it. I, I put people down below me that I know I have an issue with or a thing. And then I breathe down on that image. And then I shake my shoulders. Like there's like I'm spinning a sword around me Mm -hmm. and just feel them floating away. That image Mm -hmm. floats away, and you just come to a higher place. That person will call you. I mean, to show you an example, I I was in Hawaii, this was years ago, and this girl just misunderstood something that I had said, and she was just not gonna create any kind of explanation she was just angry at me and I got home and I did the cord cutting put her down below me and I just said you know I'm sorry I love you forgive you and I sent the image of her away it wasn't five or ten minutes later that I get a call from her and she's apologized completely apologized and she was sorry that she had misconstrued what had happened and that, you know,
0: she was just mm-hmm. very, very sorry. You, in your work as a healer, have you seen this? I, I don't know what the word is, but I'm just going to say work for mm-hmm. short term. Okay. With, let's say someone who has had significant abuse at the hands of someone. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Is this more a harder process for them? Is this a struggle? Is this something that they have to do? well Um, over and over or is it
1: they want to do it until it becomes neutral they'll know when when they're neutral about it and it's not an issue anymore then they're done
0: neutral neutral so do they struggle with the i love you part let's say yeah Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. You know, I can I can picture some clients who are like, no way, not doing
1: that. I'm not saying I love you. You know, yeah. But you have to understand or maybe get them to understand that there's a higher part of them. And it's it's you can call it the higher self, but everybody has a higher part of them that has no body. It has no body unless you invite it to come in. And what you're doing by your breath is you're inviting that door to open and for them for that part of you that's the higher part of you to come down and align with your physical body and give you something that your physical body needs right now and it's never judged you it loves you unconditionally it's mm-hmm. it's your soul's perfection it's it makes everything right and that is this higher part of you so you're asking when you say i love you it for sure That part of you loves you.
0: (laughs) So it's really to yourself. Yes, that's right. It's to yourself. It's not really to whoever has harmed you. No, it's... Or misunderstood or whatever the level is. It's It's really for yourself. It's for
1: yourself. It's self-forgiveness. I forgive you. I love you. Thank you. It's done. It's Mm -hmm. done. And then you just breathe. And then... You can put your hand and float it up in the air and watch them change. Mm -hmm. You neutralize it. You neutralize it. And then divinity comes in and fills your void with light. You don't even have to know what the problem is. You can just say that during the day Uh and notice any problem you're experiencing physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And it begins to clean as soon as you say, I'm sorry. Give me. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean you're
0: beautiful. You're
1: saying stuff to yourself all day. Why not say that?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Why not say some good stuff? Right. Supportive stuff to yourself. Yeah. Yes.
1: But like anything, it's a habit. It's a habit.
0: It is, but we also know how to change habits. Oh boy. Right. Yes. <laughs> how to develop new ones. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How to um change those neural pathways. That's what a Loretta Burning would say. I've had her on my podcast. Uh-huh. And she talks a lot about how to change habits. It's like, yes, it's true, absolutely. They're changeable. They change throughout our lives. That's too. right.
1: That's so true. Yeah. I remember how I used to look at the ocean and I would be so afraid of it. And then I started looking at it as the most nurturing, comforting place that I would want to be. That's a huge shift.
0: <laughs> it is. Yes. It is but it's it's possible we see it all the time we experience it.
1: Yeah.
0: Like we don't have the same habits that we had when we were 15 or oh gosh. 10 or 25 or however old. Yeah. That's true even sometimes from the year before
1: <laughs> the day before
0: <laughs> I know, but people people seriously forget this you know, they're sort of like I have a distant memory of when I didn't do this, but it's hard for me to access now, this feels normal to me now, and it's like, yeah well, we change all the time well, I support you going to a racetrack and getting
1: some race car experience
0: oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yes it's funny because a, a couple of years ago, I was sort of like, I don't have anything on my bucket list. Like really, I really didn't feel like. And now um, in the last year, it's like, oh my gosh, all these things have come up where I'm like that, that goes on my bucket list right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to grow.
1: Yeah. If it makes you churn inside, then yeah. it's it's doable.
0: Right. It's funny. One thing that was on there was seeing Tony Robbins in person. Oh, really? Yeah, but I did. I checked it off last year, so
1: oh wow, <laughs> it was
0: like fantastic! I did that one. He came to so Florida, was, he did. He came to Florida, yeah,
1: yeah. I haven't seen him for a long time. It was in our youth that we got yeah. together.
0: He is still so dynamic, yeah. he really is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That that is his gift. Yeah, it's, a,
1: it's it was it's, a lot to be grateful for.
0: So, we are coming to the end of our time here. Can you tell people? How to find you. Do you still do healing work?? Or is it I do through your
1: book. I, it's through the book, it's through these podcasts and I do through the telephone. Okay, I do fantastic. long long distance healing. I can take people through the cord cutting through the whole Uh-huh. And um,
0: wonderful. Yeah. So tell them how to find you. Then. So I'm
1: at www.hunahealing.com. Www.huna-healing, and that'll tell you okay. how to get to my website and call me and you can make arrangements to do the do.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely. And that will be in the show notes for the listeners. Okay. Thank you so much again for our conversation today.
1: Well, thank you. You're dynamic. And thank you for helping to heal the world.